I'm Dean Olsher, and this is The Really Big Questions. It's the podcast that asks, that's right, The Really Big Questions. Today we want to know, why do we share? We had a chimpanzee work on a particular task that could either get him food for himself or get him food for himself and his buddy who was sitting next to him. Franz Diewall studies primates, and he teaches psychology at Emory University. Very soon, the chimps prefer to produce food for the two of them instead of just for themselves. Dewall says looking at the way that other primates share sheds light on the way that humans act. Sometimes the human behavior does a tendency to say it's unique, you know. People will say we are the only ones who really share and the only ones who really care about the well-being of others. Uh, but I think that has now been debunked by studies such as we do and some other people do. So what are examples of other animals sharing that are similar to humans? There are many, of course, cooperative animals who have to share. Like if you are cooperative lions or cooperative hyenas, in the end you need to share the meat that you hunt down together because otherwise what would be the point of me helping you hunt if I never get anything? So, so for cooperative behavior, it's absolutely essential that there's some sort of sharing of the payoffs at the end. Otherwise the behavior would disappear. Now, that sharing is not always friendly. As you, if, if you see a pack of hyenas around a, a dead zebra, you know there's a lot of snarling um, and, uh, and growling and taking pieces away from each other. And so it's, it, it doesn't look friendly, but it's still sharing. They're still not chasing each other off necessarily. But there's other animals like the primates in chimpanzees, for example, or bonobos, where sharing can be much more voluntary and they can even hand things to each other. And they have begging gestures, like you have food and I hold out my hand, an open hand, which is also a universal human begging gesture, of course. In the street, people hold out an open hand, in this case for money, but the same gesture is made by chimpanzees or bonobos who want to have food from somebody else. Franz Diewall says chimpanzees have a sense of fairness. They know if they've gotten a raw deal and they're unhappy about it. Studies have shown the same thing with human infants and a number of other animals, too. So it seems that our expectation of fairness may be inborn. I asked Franz Diewall if sharing might spring from our expectation of fairness. I'm not sure that that we always share out of a sense of fairness. There's many reasons to share. For example, one simple reason could be that someone is bothering you and, and begging so much and whining so much in your face that you can barely eat, and so you, you want to get rid of the beggar. And, and that's one of the motivations that also occurs, of course. The, the fairness issue, we studied that first in capuchin monkeys, where we, for the same task, we gave two capuchin monkeys different foods. If you give them the same foods, they will keep doing the task forever. But if you give one of them better food, like grapes, and the other one port food, like cucumber, then the one... Uh, who gets the grapes is perfectly happy, but the one who gets cucumber at some point starts refusing and rejecting and objecting and protesting and even throwing perfectly good food away because it's not getting what the other one is getting. And that always gets a laugh from your audiences when you show that to them. Why? I think what happens in people, they are so entrained by society that they are different, that we are better than animals and we are different. And then they see a monkey show exactly the reaction that they would have under the same circumstances. And this makes them a little bit nervous. And so it's a nervous laugh like, gee, they are really human-like. And that's the first sense of fairness, that you protest against getting less than somebody else. Now, the more advanced form of fairness is when you um, try to equalize the outcomes. And the monkeys don't do that. And, and dogs who have been tested on fairness don't do that. But the chimpanzees and humans do that. So 
let's say there's a pizza between the two of us and we're both hungry and I take 90% and give you a tiny little sliver of pizza, I can anticipate that you're going to be very unhappy. Now, if I want to keep a good relationship with you, I should give you half or maybe two-thirds or maybe one-third, but at least something substantial. And so that has been tested in humans with the ultimatum game. And we have recently played the ultimatum game with chimpanzees. The chimpanzees would refuse the grape until the other one also gets a grape. Now, that's a really advanced form of a sense of fairness. That's chivalry. Well, we think it is done to maintain good relationships, basically. Here's one thing I really wanted to ask Franz Diewall about. He had written a book called The Age of Empathy. And in the book, he says that humans are inherently altruistic. But most of our kind actions are good for us, too. And so I wondered if he could really call that genuine altruism. Yeah, so that's a sort of discrepancy between evolutionary thinking and psychological thinking. So in evolutionary terms, every behavior that is typical of our species has to have some payoffs, otherwise it would never have evolved. So it has to be beneficial for the ones who perform that behavior. And, and, and so even the most altruistic acts come from this sort of background of self-interest. But that doesn't mean at the psychological level that that self-interest is presented in your mind. So let's say a child falls and cries and I put an arm around the child, even it's not my child, so I show an act of empathy that behavior, that general behavioral tendency has been beneficial for me and my species. But the, the individual act of me reaching out to the kid and lifting it up and, and trying to console it can be completely altruistically motivated. So at the motivational psychological level, I'm a pure altruist, so to speak. But the evolutionary background of my behavior, of why this kind of behavior came into being, is because in the end it was beneficial to, to me and other members of my species. And that's sometimes confused when people say everything is selfish. They, they're actually referring to the evolutionary explanations, not necessarily to the psychological ones, because there is genuine altruism in the world. So is this what you mean when you say that people who believe in social Darwinism misunderstand Darwin and nature? Yeah, social Darwinism, which, which assumes that we don't have any obligations to anybody, only to ourselves, and that the poor are poor for that's their own fault and we don't need to worry about that. Uh, yeah, social Darwinism, even Darwin himself didn't believe in social Darwinism, which, which is a term that came from Spencer. But it is a completely mistaken view of nature. Nature doesn't operate this way. There's many animals who survive by cooperating. The reason that many animals live in groups, like many of the primates, we are really group living animals. They live in groups because being together is advantageous versus being alone. And, and for humans, it's still the case that one of the worst punishments you can give a human is solitary confinement. And that already proves that we, we are an inherently social species and cooperation is very much part of our social fabric. That's primatologist Franz Diewall, and you can see that video of the monkey throwing a fit over getting stuck with a slice of cucumber on our website, which is trbq.org. And while you're there, you can check out our other podcasts about sharing and the hour-long radio special called Why Do People Share? And you can catch up with us on Twitter and on Facebook, too. This podcast was produced by Chris Julin and Emily Havik. Our technical director is Robin Wise. I'm Dean Olsher. Dean Olsher.